The follow-up is simple. Ask a question, listen to the answer, then follow up. I'm your host, Noah Kozlov. Enjoy. The follow-up today is with a journalist, and there isn't one that I'd rather talk specifically basketball with than Bob Ryan. He started working for the Boston Globe back in 1968. He's a Hall of Famer and author of 14 books. His latest from 2014 is Scribe, My Life in Sports. Bob, with all the athletes and sports figures that you've spent time with over your career, is there someone you wish that you got to spend more time with? The great tease was Pistol Pete Maravich. He came to the Celtics in January of 1981, uh, basically, I believe, in response to the 76ers having signed Lionel Hollins. Those two teams were engaged in a perpetual arms race in the, in the 80s. And Pete comes and getting to know him in that stage of his life was fascinating. Uh, he was becoming a bit spiritual. He was becoming a bit uh, introspective, uh, looking at life a little differently, uh, becoming uh, a little bit of a health food guy, uh, less of a drinker, which he had been notorious for, and and, and but a fascinating person, and he had great insight. And I, I really enjoyed uh, that those uh, the rest of that season, and was looking forward to a full season of of, of uh, hanging out and hanging around, picking the brain up, having the, you know. T- talking about his experiences, which were unique. And he really is a unique career in the history of American basketball. And he quits and doesn't come back. And the reason he quit, I believe, uh, if he didn't say so directly, and I think he did, you can easily check this. He didn't want to play for Bill Fitch. And he didn't uh, like the way he was, didn't like it. And he's not the only one. Ernie D. Gregorio didn't want to play for Bill Fitch either. And I thought he should have come back uh, <clears throat> as well before that. So, uh, but and, and and I liked Ernie. I knew Ernie a little bit. And, and uh, but the guy I really miss, and I wish, and the second one, of course, uh, is. But we did get two years, even though he only played officially one. And that was Walton, and I remained friendly with Bill Walton and over the years. But I can tell you the stunning shock, the the sadness uh, when 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 all of us heard that Pete had died. Uh, it, it was really shocking and really disturbing, and and um, um, it's 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 a truly a tragic story. But I I wish that I had had the opportunity to spend uh, that at least a full season covering Pete Maravich. Did anyone in the Celtics organization expect him to walk away? I don't. I think it caught them by surprise. I think he had played, you know, reasonably well. And uh, remember that was, uh, I said seven. Yeah, I said eighty-one. It was eighty, and uh, it was eighty. It wasn't eighty-one. I, I stand corrected. It was. It was Bird's um, uh, rookie year, and um, because uh, the playoffs um, didn't go in the end, they were beaten by Philly, as you know, in five. Pete. Uh, uh, but Pete, uh, uh, it's, no, I think people expected him back. Uh, I think people thought, well, this is a, you know, give him a full year of training camp with the team and a full year. And, and oh, boy, you know, what, and he was going to be a terrific. Uh, and he would have been okay coming off the bench. He had no problem with that at that stage of his career. So, no, I think it caught everybody by surprise. Did you have any interaction with Pete Maravich before he came to Boston? Only uh, occasional it just post game routine. I remember one year, <laughs> um, the Celtics got off. Let's see, I guess it was 73, 74 when, when the year they eventually won and had a great start and then kind of 
uh, mediocre second half of the season, and they picked it up in the playoffs. I remember they were off something like thirty and seven. They 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 lost to the Hawks, I believe, at home. And I remember, as, and he was saying something about ah, they can afford, you know, doesn't mean anything to them. They can lose one. It means more to us. That's all. I remember that. And um, but you know, you talk to me after the game, and it's fine. But uh, and as a Hawk, and also as a uh, as a uh, Jazz, of course, he had he had one. I mean, many good games against Boston, but one in particular, he killed them down in the game of Hartford. And I believe it was a triple-double game for him in Hartford um, when he was wearing a jazz uniform. One of the great opponent games of that of the 70s that was ever played against them, I thought. Um, yeah, and yeah, obviously, he could speak after the game, but I didn't have a relationship. No, nothing like that. I did have a relationship, I would call it, with, with some opposing players over there in this the 70s, but he was not one of them. But when he came to the team, um, it was, uh, you know, it, it was it was it was fun to have him around. And, and uh, I really, you know, I really wish we could have had more time together. What did Bird think of him? I think they got along very well, uh, as I recall. Uh, Pete was in a different phase. He wasn't, you know, he wanted that ring. He, he, he was in that veteran stage. I've been around. I've been honored. I've been, you know, guys, Pete Maravich, he's an all-time scorer in history of America. Of, of Division One basketball, forty-four points a game. He's, he's notorious. He's notoriety. And, but then through such, uh, it was not a happy time in Atlanta. He comes to Atlanta through no, not his own doing. He's the great White Hope, quite frankly, and and um, it's a terrible burden uh, for a Caucasian player to have, mm-hmm. and especially if you have no desire to have it. And he was given it, and and uh, uh, it was well known. And I think there was resentment on the part of some of his teammates. Even and he probably didn't handle it as well as he maybe could have at, uh, at that time. Uh, and uh, then he was traded uh, famously to the Jazz, and he was uh, of course going back uh, to I won't say home because he actually was raised in North Carolina, but back to his state where he became most famous at, at LSU. And they had their moments, but the team was were never really contenders or anything like that. And uh, by the time he came to Boston, it was a matter of uh, okay, I, you know everybody knows who I am, but now I'd like a ring. And I think he plugged into that team, uh, Bird's rookie year. They won 61 games, and um, and, and and wanted to be one of the guys. So wanted to be one of the contributors, and uh, uh, I think he was happy in that role. But uh, um, he did not want to play for Bill Fitch. And what were his contributions that year? Um, it was first year in a three-point shot, and um, um, he took to it naturally. He made you, of course, lending speculation. What would if he averaged 44 points a game in three years in college without the three-point shot, can you right. imagine what he would have done with it? Particularly since, um, you know, he did take to it. And he's a guy that once scored 68 points in a game in Madison Square Garden uh, without the three. <laughs> and and he clearly had three-point range, so it, it would have been ridiculous. But, um, uh, no, he, he, he came off the bench, provided bench. Uh, and of course, it was this ball handling. He could, though he was, he was a, you know, you could say he was a one, he was a point, but... But you know, obviously, it was a scoring point guard if there ever was one. But but Tommy Heinsohn, I remember. Oh, I'm glad I remember this. In many more than one conversation I, I had with Tom Heinsohn in the '70s, after or about either before or during or after, not during the game, but before and after a Hawks game, uh, after Peter put on one of his shows. And Tommy was saying, oh, I'd love to get, you know, obviously it's not tampering. I'd love to get my hands on him. He thought his running at a fast break was the best he had seen since Kuzi. And he just was drooling about what he could do with, uh, with Pete as a, as a uh, little man on a fast break. But Tommy, unfortunately for him, didn't get a chance to coach him. But Bill Fitch had that chance. But I, I was wondering what Tommy was thinking uh, when Pete showed up 
<laughs> when he was no longer the coach. As a matter of fact, I'm I'm uh, I'm going to have an opportunity to ask him on, on my own podcast very shortly. <laughs> and and it's a and it's a great one. So I, I encourage everybody to subscribe to Bob Ryan's Boston podcast. Great conversations with sports figures in New England. Did, were there any memorable Pete Maravich, Bill Fitch blowups? Not that we know of. You know that was kept in house, but. Uh, Bill was hard on on some veterans, and um, he was hard on. on no, I mean Ernie. I thought Ernie was coming back, and, and Ernie, uh, you know, because he finished the seventy uh, Havlicek. You know, he was the last guy to throw Havlicek in the system in seventy eight in the final day of the season, and uh, had a great fourth quarter run with John, and, and, and that looked like a partnership because John was going to retire. But I thought Ernie was going to have a job there; would be a definite good backup point guard to Tiny Archibald. But he didn't want to play for Fitch. Uh, whatever it is, you know, Mikhail, you know, Mikhail had his issues with Fitch. Um, yeah, every, and, and finally, in 1983, they basically all quit on him except for Larry. And they can they can deny it all they want, but I and, uh, but I that's my that's my take. And uh, uh, Larry's the only one that really didn't um, that, that didn't mind. Larry didn't mind authority at all. Larry liked authority, respected authority. Uh, and at least Larry Bird, you know, he knew how to play, and he was going to get yelled at anyway. So, um, but uh, Bill. Bill only had the four years here, remember, and and it didn't end well. I mean, it was an ugly uh, sweep uh, against the Bucks, and there were reasons. I mean, Larry was sick and missed the game, and um, they got beat fair and square. I mean, based on what they had to offer, but but um, um, it didn't end well. And um, uh, you know, Bill went, and uh, Casey came, and that was the good cop kind of uh, transition that that was been a very beneficial for that group, as you well know, they won the next year. And the players felt vindicated for their treatment of Bill Fitch because they won it the next year? <laughs> and they picked up a rather important piece of the puzzle, Dennis Johnson. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was, uh, that was uh, you don't win without any, you know, any one of a half a dozen people, and they don't win. And Dennis Johnson was instrumental, uh, obviously. I have a feeling he wouldn't hit, off, hit it off too well with Bill either. <laughs> <laughs> so, Casey, uh, <laughs> uh, of course, they was beloved, truly beloved they loved casey jones and and that was that that once they knew he was going to be the coach the whole the whole thing that feeling of you know the atmosphere brightened up for them um and you know it's too bad because bill's a great coach i got along great with him you know and i didn't have to suffer his wrath in any way and i got along great with him he was terrific with me and i learned a lot about the nba and and uh, everything uh with bill and, and enjoyed my conversations with him immensely but but um uh, my my successor did not get along with him, Dan Shaughnessy, uh, and you know, he didn't get along with a lot of people. So I was, I don't know, I was lucky. Where were you when you heard that Pete had died? You know, I think I was at the airport. Uh, uh, I think there were two. I think there were two different times I heard about a, a a tragic death at the airport. One was Pete, and the other was Krista McAuliffe, the astronaut, you know, the, the, te- the teacher who died in the in in, in the uh, you know fire. The astronaut uh, tragedy, um, but um, I think I was at the airport going back from some work, and I think I can see myself at the carousel when I heard the news about Pete. Bob, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Oh, you're entirely welcome. Okay, anytime, Noah. Bob's recall is remarkable, and he's the perfect example of an interview where it's best to just ask the questions and then get out of the way. The question I asked Bob also certainly isn't exclusive to sports, so think about who you want more time with and do something about it. 
You can subscribe to Bob Ryan's Boston podcast and follow him on Twitter at Globe Bob Ryan. I'm at Noah Kozlov on Twitter and Facebook at Wawa Run on Instagram. You can catch all episodes of the show if you're not an iTunes or Apple podcast person at VocalNow.com, V-O-K-A-L, VocalNow.com and the Vocal app. Also search the follow-up on iTunes and Apple Podcasts to subscribe. While you're there, please rate and review the program and then let all of your friends know about it. Thanks for taking the time to join us on The Follow-Up. The Follow-Up is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit VocalNow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W.com.